Hello everyone and welcome to Mrs. G's Storytime and we are reading Treasures of the Snow by Patricia Sanjan with permission of Moody Publishing Company and we are on chapter 9 of Visit to the Hospital. Danny lay in a cart on a sack stretched across a soft mattress of hay and gazed up at the blue sky where tiny white woolly clouds floated by. He would have liked to look over the sides of the cart, but this was impossible, for he could not sit up. So he looked at the sky instead, and Annette described the scenery and what was happening as they went along. Danny's leg ached badly, which made him rather bad-tempered. And when the cart jolted, he squealed. But Annette spoke to him soothingly to calm him down, and it was still nice to feel important. We're at the top of the village now, Danny said Annette, just passing the church. And there's Emel, the dustman's son, driving the cows out of the churchyard. Some naughty person must have left the gate open. Are the cows trying to go into church, inquired Danny with interest. No, replied Annette. They're just trying to jump over the wall, but it's too high. They were jumping over the gravestones instead. And here we are at the infant school, Danny, and there's a teacher scrubbing her steps. I suppose it's her cleaning day, and she's given all the infants a holiday. I wish the schoolmaster had cleaning days. Oh, here's the teacher coming towards the cart. She's seen us, and I expect she wants to know how you are. And here come Miss Madame Pellette and Madame Lenore. They had seen us, too. They were washing their clothes in the fountain. And that was right. They certainly wanted to know how Danny was. For in the little village, news travels fast and is much talked about and long remembered because there's so little of it. The postman's wife had heard of some of the story from Lucien's sister when she phoned for the doctor. And then the station master's wife had heard the rest from Marie when she waited for the early train. And by now, everyone was talking about it and everyone wanted to find out more. So Madame Palette and Madame Lenore left their husband's shirts bubbling like white balloons in the fountain where Madame Derez, who kept the village shop, left her counter and came running out with two customers behind her. The teacher left her scrubbing bucket to get cold, and they all crowded around the cart and stood on tiptoe to stare at Danny, laying flat on his back on his hay mattress, a little paler than usual, but otherwise quite cheerful and pleased to see them. Ah, little cabbage, cried the teacher, throwing up her hands. You must tell us all about it, Annette. And although they had heard the story once, repeated it some to someone else, they were all ready to listen again. So Annette told them about it. They shook their heads in a great deal and clicked their tongues. They were all very angry with Lucien. He's a wicked boy, said the infant school teacher. I shall warn the little children not to have anything to do with him. And I shall not allow Pierre to play with him, said the postmaster's wife. He has a cruel heart. You can see it in his face. I feel sorry for his mother having a child like that. She thought proudly of her own cheery, freckle-faced son, who was one of the best-loved boys in the village. Danny's father flicked the whip rather impatiently and called back that they must not keep the doctor waiting. The women stood back, and the cart labored on slowly over the cobblestones. And then they all drew together again and started talking in the middle of the road with their heads very close together. The cart jotted on, and the sun rose higher, and the horse did not mind at least keeping the doctor waiting. And Annette had plenty of time to describe the senior to Danny as they made their slow way to town. The river is almost in flood, Danny remarked to Annette. It's because the fine weather has melted the snow so fast. 
The water is right over the pine tree roots, and here a tree has fallen right across like a bridge. Oh, Danny, there's a little gray squirrel wondering whether to run along it or not. Where? cried Danny, and he forgot and tried to sit up, but fell back with a squeal of pain. You can't see it, Annette warned him. Anyway, the squirrel has run back into the woods. We're getting near the station now, Danny, and there are there were three cows on the platform waiting to be put on the train. The journey passed pleasantly, and at last the houses began to appear, and Annette told Danny they were coming into town. Tell me about the shops, exclaimed Danny eagerly. He had been to town only three times in his short life and thought it was the most wonderful place in the world. It wasn't much of a town, really, for there was only one narrow street of shops, but they were very nice shops. There was a cake shop with its windows packed with flat fruit tarts and piles of gingerbread cut into every shape imaginable, and the clothes shop with display of embroidered national costumes. And best of all was the woodcarver's shop with its rows of carved cuckoo clocks and the old men who opened their mouths wide and cracked nuts in their wooden teeth. At last, Father drove up in front of the hospital. It was only a little hospital, really, but to Annette and Danny it seemed enormous. The patients all lay out on sunny balconies and the doors wide open. Papa jumped down from the driver's seat and tied the reins to the fence and went in. A few minutes later, he returned with two men and a stretcher. Danny, on his stretcher, was laid on a wooden bench in the outpatient hall, with Papa sitting at his head and Annette at his feet. The quiet strangeness of this place and the odd, clean smell made them all go very quiet. So Danny watched the nurses instead. They wore long, white aprons and lace caps. Danny thought they looked exactly like the angels in Grandmother's big picture book. They waited for a very long time, and Papa and Annette nodded and dozed, and Danny flung his arms above his head and fell into a fast sleep. He was awoken by the doctor, who appeared very suddenly and seemed in a great hurry. He was an elderly man with a large black beard and a gruff voice. Annette felt afraid of him. Everything seemed to happen very quickly after that. Danny was hustled off to the trolley to have bones in his leg photographed, which was interesting. He wanted to know whether he would be allowed to keep the photograph to hang up in his house. And then he was trundled back, and the doctor pulled the bag leg until Danny screamed with pain. Then the photographs were brought along, not looking in the least like Danny's leg. But the doctor seemed pleased with them, and he studied them deeply and nodded his head wisely. And then he turned to Papa and remarked, This child should stay in the hospital. He has a, a broken leg very badly. But Papa refused completely. He was not going to leave his little son to this man with the black beard and rough hands. We will look after, after Danny at home, he said firmly. Surely that is possible. The doctor shrugged his shoulders. It is possible, he replied, but I think he would be better here. I cannot come so far, and you would have to bring, keep bringing him here. I don't mind bringing him in, said Papa stubbornly, and Annette put her little hand into his big hand and gave it a squeeze. She, too, wanted Danny at home. The doctor shrugged his shoulders again and spread out his hands. Danny was once more truffled off by a nurse in a great hurry, and this time he did not come back for more than half an hour. When at last he returned to them, he looked sleepy and strange and could remember absolutely nothing but a funny smell. It was Annette who discovered that he had had a big white plaster from his waist downward. She pointed out to Danny, who stared down at himself in astonishment. Why have I got to wear these hard white trousers, he said at last. 
Then, without asking, waiting for a reply, he said he did not like the doctor's big black beard and he wanted to go home. Annette did not like it either, and they all wanted to go home. Annette because she was hungry, Danny because he was tired, and Papa because he was thinking about his cows. When the doctor came back with a second photograph, Danny and the family were nowhere to be seen. In the far distance, a spryly horse was making her way home as fast as possible, pulling a hay cart and three passengers behind her. They had completely forgotten to ask when they should bring Danny back again, or for how long he had to wear the plaster. They reached home about five o'clock, and Danny was put to bed on the sofa so that he wouldn't feel lonely, and Annette slept on the mattress beside him in case he should wake in the night and want her. Here Danny stayed for weeks with his leg on a pillow, and everything was arranged around him. Annette stopped going to school altogether for the time being and almost became Danny's slave. She told him all her stories over and over again and played games with him all day long. Grandmother cooked wonderful little meals in the kitchen to tempt the appetite of the poor little sick boy, whose appetite didn't need tempting at all, for he was almost as jolly and cheerful and hungry on his couch as he was off of it. When Annette was busy, she would lay flat on her, on his, he would lay flat on his back on the veranda bed and sing like a happy lark. He certainly had everything to make him happy. The village saw to that. They loved his pretty, delicate mother who had grown up amongst them. And when she died, they were all prepared to love her children, especially Danny, who had eyes as blue as forget-me-nots and a voice like a bird and was altogether as adorable as a five-year-old can be. Danny had always taken love for granted, but was not spoiled by it. He was just pleased and excited, for with so many wonderful presents and, and, and visits, he hardly missed his freedom at all. The village children wandered up the mountain in search of the first alpine flowers for him until the table by his bed looked almost like an alpine flower garden. Because Danny loved to see them, Grandmother cheerfully put up with the noise and the muddy boots until, until the veranda out of school hours became a sort of public play playground where Danny was in charge. Then there was a schoolmaster who sent fascinating picture books and the innkeeper who sent brown speckled eggs and the baker who made golden doughboys with currant eyes and candied pill buttons. He used to slip them in Annette's bread basket with a wink, and that was why Danny always insisted on unpacking the shopping basket himself. He never, he never knew what he might find, and whatever it was, he was quite certain it was for him. But the postman was the best of all. The Bernay family ever, hardly ever received a letter. So the postman himself decided to write Danny a picture postcard every week, and trudged up the hill to deliver it himself. He came a different day each week, so every morning Danny got excited in case he should come. The postman was never in a hurry and always saw to it that the postcard was at the very bottom of the stack. He enjoyed Danny's squeals of excitement as he burrowed among the letters and read the names of all the cards in search of his own. If the post that day was a little marked or crumpled, no one minded or asked questions. And tomorrow we'll Read chapter 10, Lucian Makes a Friend. I love you, I'm praying for you, and I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.